Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning, Downtown Hope. Uh, as Colin said, I'm David. I have the gift and joy of serving Downtown Hope as executive pastor. And he said, um, we're in our second week in our series, Unveiled Faces. And really, I want to unpack, and Joy will conclude the series next week. We want to unpack how it is we're going to be making disciples as a church. And so if you didn't get a chance to listen in last week, listen to that sermon. And uh, today we'll continue with part two, and Joy will close us out uh, next week. But right now, uh, and Jacob mentioned, it, we, we're living in a COVID world, and what has become the norm is we have to wear masks. And we wear, we wear masks partly to protect ourselves, and we also wear masks to protect uh, you, to protect others around us. Uh, and I don't know about you, but this mask thing, it's been quite complicated. I, I've, I'm known as a person that tends to complicate things. But man, I'm trying to find the right mask. I mean, I wear glasses, so I put on some masks, and then my glasses fog up. It's not comfortable. Um, I take great care of this beard. And so you can't just wear any kind of mask when you got something as, you know, precious as this. And so it's just been a challenge and outright uncomfortable at times in wearing a mask. And if you heard Joey's sermon, this, this, this notion of masks, or to use Paul, Paul's words, these veils that we wear, I dare suggest that we wear these veils to protect ourselves, and we wear these veils to protect others. Because at the core, maybe we don't want people to find out who we are. And it's uncomfortable at times. You always got to put on a face before others. Maybe you can relate to this. You spent all day wearing a mask. But there's one place where I don't have to wear a mask. It's in my home. Can you uh, just, just imagine with me just the relief when you get to take off that mask? And, and like I said, the, the one place you don't have to do that is at, is at home. And why is that? Because home is a safe place. Home is a place where you're surrounded by those you deeply care for, and love. A home is a place where even without the mask, even without the veils, surrounded by people that will love me knowing who I am. That safe place, that place of home. When you read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says that, that place is a place of beauty. It's a place of safety. Paul tells us it's the place where we behold the glory of God. And so as we jump in this week, that's going to be our, our theme in this context of the, the end desire of seeing gospel transformation. Last week, we said the veils must come off. This week, we must behold the glory of God. And so our passage this morning is 2 Corinthians chapter 3. We're focusing in on verse 18, but I'd like to read verses 12 through 18. And so join with me as I read 2 Corinthians chapter 3, starting at verse 12. Paul says this, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, 
who would put a veil over his face so that uh, Israel, the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened for to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, the same veil remains unlifted. Because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Verse 17, now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This is the Word of God. Let's pray. Almighty God, we are uh, overjoyed to be able to gather, even from our homes, to have our attention solely on you. And so, Lord, would you help our eyes to see what is real? Would you help our eyes behold your beauty, your glory? I pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so our passage in this three-week series, Unveiled Faces, is 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. And we all, with unveiled faces, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. So that's what I want to talk about this morning, the glory of the Lord. And so first question is, what is the glory of God? What is the glory of the Lord? Now, to say it most simply, it is His beauty. It is the absolute marvel when you begin to ponder over who God is. In fact, it's quite difficult to describe what it is when we say the, 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 the glory of God. It's like trying to describe what beauty is to someone. I can point to certain things and say, you see that? Yeah, that, that's beautiful. That, that's what, that, that is beauty. S similarly, when we're talking about the glory of God, words don't do justice to who God is. I mean, what comes to mind even now when you begin to contemplate who it is that we speak of? God is absolutely unique. There is none like him. He is set apart. There, there are attributes that only he possesses. And we talk about the uniqueness of God. When we talk about him being set apart, the scriptures declare that to be his holiness, his intrinsic worth, who God is, the word best used to describe that is his holiness. And when that holiness is made public, when that holiness is put on display, when the beauty of God is made manifest, friends, that is the glory of God. And, and you read the scripture, and there, there were men and women that were exposed to the glory of God. They beheld the beauty of the Lord, and it forever changed them. I can't help but to think of Isaiah in, in the sixth chapter of the book that bears his name. Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, and I love what it says. He says, I saw the Lord. That in the midst of this national tragedy, the king was dead. He remembered something. In the midst of this tragedy, his eyes were open to see the beauty of God. My prayer is that it might be said of us in the midst of this pandemic, in the midst of the crisis of our lives, that our eyes would be open to see his 
beauty. Isaiah says, I, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. His train filled the temple, absolute awe and amazement. His eyes are seeing the king of the universe. He says, angels surround his throne, and the only thing they can utter, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And then Isaiah begins to look around. I can imagine he looks up, he, he looks down, he looks to the left, he, he looks to the right, and he sees God's holiness, the intrinsic worth of God made public, and he says these words, the whole earth, everywhere I look, the whole earth is filled with your glory, friends, that our eyes might be open to see the magnificence and beauty of the Lord. We're talking about the desire to see transformation. Friends, the veil must come down. Because it's these veils that often block our eyes from seeing what is real. Perhaps it's the veil of the ordinariness of our lives that prevent us from seeing what is real. But, but I dare say, deep down on the inside, you know there's something more. You know that there is something more real, and we get glimpses of it. You, you venture out to places like the Grand Canyon, or you see the ocean, or you look up to the skies, and you know there is beauty. Something is being declared. In fact, that is what Psalm 19 says. It says, the heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Friends, look around. Ask God, Lord, take the veil off. I want to see your beauty. The heavens, everything is shouting of your beauty. And Paul says we ought to behold this beauty. And so Isaiah, in the midst of the beauty of God, he recognized that there's something absolutely wrong. He says, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He recognized he, he wasn't fit, he wasn't worthy to be in that place. I, I know so many times I would visit a friend, friend's house, and man, there are some people's houses, it is clean. I walk into that house, and I know, whoa, and I always ask this question, do you, do you want me to take off my shoes? I dare not bring dirt into that place. And this is the crisis Isaiah finds himself in, beholding the beauty of the Lord. He says, woe is me. And he's asking, how can I have access to the glory of God? You read the passage in Isaiah 6, an angel comes and he says, your guilt is taken away. Your sin has been atoned for. The glory of God, his beauty. And so it begs the question, how do we access the glory of God? Again, when you read 2 Corinthians, you, you know that Exodus 34 is on Paul's mind when he talks about Moses and the Israelites in this veil. And one thing we know this, we, we know this about Moses. He spent time in the presence of the Lord. He would go out to Israel. The glory of God shined like the sun, so he wore a veil. Anytime he was around the people, he wore a veil. And the one place he did not need to wear a veil is when he entered into the tabernacle in the presence of the Lord. And that's exactly what Paul invites us to in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. He says, but when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Friends, that's an invitation 
that if we turn to the Lord, then the veil comes down. That's confession. That's us just laying our soul bare. This is why each week when we gather, we spend time confessing, and not just my sin, but our sin corporately to the Lord, that the veil must come down. Friends, this is what we must do daily, that as we get our day started, that we would turn to the Lord, that we would confess, that we would get to the root of why it is we do what we do. It's when we posture ourselves in the beauty of God, confessing that the beauty of God, His truth, becomes the gift that compels us to keep going. You see, it's in the glory of God that the the gospel truths were reminded of God's goodness and His truths concerning, concerning us. This is why in our discipleship model next week, Joy, we'll go over the discipleship tree, that there's this portion after confession that we need assurance. This is where we in community speak gospel truth. We look through the lens of the gospel and we speak truth. We remind people of how much he loves, how he's gracious, how he's merciful. Because if we're honest, we keep those veils up because we think, I'm not worthy. I can't do this. And so in the context of community, beholding his beauty, we shower each other with the truth of what God has done. And so that's how we access the glory. We turn to the Lord. And so then I ask, okay, I understand in part what his glory is. It's his beauty. I understand now how to access his beauty. I turn towards him. But then where do I find his glory? It's in two places. Number one, we find it in the face of Jesus Christ. In fact, in the next chapter of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says these words in verse 6. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And so where, where do we see the glory of God? We see it in the face of Christ. Paul says that the God, the same God who in the very beginning said, let there be light, is proclaiming light today, right now. Meaning there is not anyone listening, watching, who is too far from the voice of God, shining his powerful light. This is what happened to Paul on the Damascus road. The light of God hit him. He beheld the glory and he saw Christ. Friends, that's my prayer, that we would turn to the Lord, we would confess our faults, turn from our sins, and then turn to the Lord, beholding the glory of God, and we see Christ. So, so, the, so one place we find the glory, of God, uh, the glory of God is in the face of Christ. And the second place we find the glory of God, and I love this, it's in the face of one another. You see in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, in verse 18, there, there, there are two key words that we might overlook, but these are critical words for us beholding the glory of God. It says, and here are the two words, we all. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. We all. Where, do we, where else can we find the glory of God, it's in the lives of our brothers and sisters in this same journey of life. See, an area, if you, if you want to see God's activity in this world, see it in the lives of other people. Friends, this is why we value communion. 
community. This is why we need each other. God's activity in your life is an encouragement to me. See, Moses spent time in the glory of the Lord, in the tabernacle, in the holiest of holies. He had no choice but to reflect that glory to others. Friends, that's the same call upon our lives. In the presence of the Lord and in the presence of others, the glory of God is filling that place. People around us can be and need to be deeply affected by the amazing news of what Jesus is doing in this world on a daily basis. I mean, you turn on the news, you see tragedy after tragedy, tension, a lot of just anger. If we can get around one another and sharpen each other and just talk about God's goodness, his beauty, what is God doing? That activity, that's how our affections for him grow. And the best way, the best way to experience that is in the context of community, living life with other folks. And so when Paul is sharing this with the church at Corinth, he's saying, guys, when I look at you, when you look at me, in fact, when we look at everyone else around us, here's what we know. Everybody is looking at someone else in whose life the Spirit of the Lord is doing an amazing work, maybe to heal, to comfort. He's doing something. So my Christian journey isn't one for me to live by myself. I live it in the context of community so that my encouragement can come when I hear and see what it is God is doing in your life. That's another way I behold the glory of God. In fact, when he says beholding the glory of God, more literally, he says beholding or reflecting as like in a mirror the glory of God. And so that's what we do. We reflect God's glory to one another. Friends, and that's how the veils come down. And when the veils come down, you will see absolute beauty. If we're honest, so many today, and sometimes me, I'm just afraid. I mean, there's just so much taking place in our world. I mean, schools are starting back up. What's going to happen with our kids? What's, what's going to happen with my daughter, specifically with her education entering into the fall? This is a, a, a politically heavy climate, right? An election is coming up, man. And if I'm honest, man, the unknown terrifies me. This is a lot that I see, I get so concerned with the craziness of today. And you know what I want to do? I want to protect myself. I want to protect those around me. And I've taught myself that the best way to do that is put those guards up. Put that mask up. Put that veil. Don't let anyone in. That's the easiest way to protect yourself and to protect those around you. And if it's not the macro issues of the election, if it's not the macro issues of the tensions of today, maybe it's the micro issues. Maybe I'm just afraid that something I've done in my past is going to creep back up into today and I'm haunted by the mistakes of yesterday. And so I put those veils up because I'm afraid. Paul is saying we don't have to. With unveiled faces, we can behold the beauty of the Lord. And so when I am afraid when I want to put those guards up, when I want to protect myself from you and I want to protect you from me, I remind myself of what the psalmist said in Psalm 27. He says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? 
The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and my foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army camp against me, I'm afraid. He says, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise against me, yet I will be confident. And I love this. One thing have I asked of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And this is his prayer. This is my prayer. He says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Friends, that's beholding the glory of God. Oh, what a relief that in the face of Christ and seeing his glory in the lives of one another, in the context of community. Oh, what a safe place it is. And as such, that's when we begin to see transformation. That's my prayer for us this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. And so, Lord, would you help us this morning? Uh, It's a daunting task to be unveiled. We so desperately want to protect. And Lord, oftentimes it's because we want to protect ourselves from the other, and we want to protect the other from ourselves. But there's no beauty in that. There's no safety. There's no help. And so, Lord, my prayer is that we, with unveiled faces, would behold your glory. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm -hmm.